Aaron, we got Spencer on the line. What do you want to ask him? How do you start off by finding new investors? So, you know, we have a lot of different um, ways for investors to get in touch with us. Going on podcasts is a great way. Mm -hmm. Podcasts are just amazing because it allows, you know, a potential investor to kind of get to know you, to kind of get your thought process. And if that resonates with them, you know, when they get in touch with you, they're getting in touch with you because they they liked what you said and they've already kind of sold themselves on you. They're just trying to get more information. So I think that's, you know, a great way to kind of get yourself out there. And then, you know, just being an active participant, you know, whether that's on bigger pockets or LinkedIn or on a Facebook group. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. This is journal entry number 138 and part of our Ask the Expert series. Today, we have experienced investor Spencer Gray and aspiring investor Aaron Goins. Keep listening for tips on how to set up your drip campaign and how to start looking for passive investors. And now, the show. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe with Four Oaks Capital. Very excited for today's show. We've got uh, two amazing people on the line with us for one of our Ask the Expert episodes. Uh, we've got a guy with a ton of experience in, in the real estate arena, Spencer Gray. And we got an energetic Aaron Goins along with us as well. So that said, you know, Spencer, you're up first. First of all, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on. Hey, Brian, I really appreciate having me on. I've been looking forward to this. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great show. Yeah, going to be awesome. So uh, so let, let's start with this. Let's start talking about your background and history and, and kind of lead us up into how you got into apartment investing. Yeah. So, you know, kind of how I got started, I've gone, I've taken anything, um, but kind of a straight line to kind of get to where I am today, but there's definitely been a constant, which has been real estate kind of mm-hmm. throughout, I guess my entrepreneurial career, but kind of rewinding back. Um, I, I flipped my first house, um, when I was a senior in high school, when I was 18, I kind of got wow. roped, got, kind of got roped in. Um, a buddy was doing it, uh, really his father was doing it and teaching him mm-hmm. and he wrote me into the project. Um, and I kept flipping houses, um, but I my real I was passionate about really two things. I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and I also I loved music and I loved um, recording music. So I went to Jacob School of Music um, at Indiana University uh, to learn all about that. I wanted to open a recording studio and kind of build a business doing that. Um, you know, after I kind of finished at IU, I moved out to New York City. And I was working as a freelancer, trying to kind of build a book of clients. And I just couldn't figure out how I was ever actually going to make mm-hmm. that much money doing it. And that's where the entrepreneur in me started taking a little bit more of a lead role than just my passion for music. I started right. looking for other avenues, other businesses. Um, eventually moved back home to Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, I just love New York, but didn't love it so much. I wanted to pay the prices to live there. And I started a business with my wife and uh, and a friend of mine. Um, We wanted to start growing and selling hops to all the new craft brewers that were popping up locally. Mm -hmm. And so I hopped on a plane. I flew to Yakima, Washington, and started pounding on hop farmers' doors to try to one, see if I could learn what they were doing, and two, see if I could sign a couple of contracts for their crops to be able to sell to brewers. Mm-hmm. I ended up doing that. Uh, we were the fastest growing hop brokerage in the Midwest, um, one of like the the fastest growing just small brokerages really in the country. Ended up selling that business around 2015. 
And it wasn't the most, it was a successful, successful business, but it wasn't very scalable. And so mm -hmm. I was looking for a more scalable business to kind of move into. And I had continued to flip houses and I was getting into really into bigger pockets, reading about multifamily. And I said, I think, you know, this is the business that I want to pursue. And so I just started networking and my first multifamily deal, I uh, co-sponsored multifamily mm -hmm. acquisition, uh, 200 and a 20 unit um, value add project uh, here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Still didn't know really what I was uh, I was doing, but I was able to partner with a great team where I was able to learn a lot, leverage their experience. And uh, since then, we've been kind of taking it one step at a time and you know, full into multifamily investing. And now we're syndicating our own projects. Nice. And 220 units, that's a nice size property for your, for your first deal. So, you know, congrats on that one. Yeah, thanks. Um, now, what... What do you like about the the Indianapolis market? Obviously, you're familiar with it, which gives you yeah. a competitive advantage. But uh, what what are some of the bonuses or the things that are going on that are good in, in yeah. Indianapolis? Well, the first thing is is exactly what you said is just that I knew the market more than I knew mm -hmm. any other market, and so I thought that would give us a competitive advantage. And I just didn't like the unknown traveling to other markets. Mm -hmm. Now you can invest in any market in the country and make success mm -hmm. of, of it if you have the right systems in place and you do your research. But you know, I still thought I don't know what I don't know. But that kind of, we almost downplayed Indy because we we're like, well, it's where we're from. Maybe it's not the best market. But what we love about Indianapolis is that flies below the radar from a lot of other investors that are mm -hmm. focused on some excellent markets um, in the, you know, the Southeast and the Southwest yeah. that are you know growing like gangbusters, but that's where all the capital flows to and yeah. you know, prices get driven up. And when Indianapolis, we've got steady population growth, you know, we're growing at least 1% a year, steady mm -hmm. job growth. Um, we have a very diverse economy. Um, you know, we had some of the lowest amount of job losses in the nation last year during COVID. So, you know, in general, very robust economy, a very politically friendly, um, landlord friendly environment, low tax state, some of the lowest tax, lowest tax regime in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. But we still trade 50 basis points higher in cap rate compared to most other markets around us, even in the Midwest, not even compared to some of the higher growth markets. So we can get access to, you know, a market with some really strong, fundamentals, but get just a little bit better yields and returns out of it. Yeah. And then we know it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think that's a, that's recipe for success. I mean, flying underneath, underneath the radar, you know, I, I think, like you said, a lot of the focus is on South, Southeast, you know, the Sun Belt, as people are calling it. You yeah. know? So a lot of people are moving from North to South. So I, I think a lot of investors don't even think to, to look at Indianapolis. And I, I understand Columbus, which isn't too terribly far from Indianapolis no. is also doing very well as, yep. at this time too. So you know, lots of goodness going on there. And the key point in all of this is you guys know that market better than, than anybody else, you know, that's, yeah. that's not in the market yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, we could go to the Southeast and just about throw a dart at the board, pick a market, and there's going to be some strong growth. I mean, yeah, roughly, but in the Midwest, you know, you don't want to do that because they're not every market is created equal. Equal, you know, there's the you know the Clevelands that have seen a lot of you know a lot of decline, yep. and you know the St. Louis's that are you know relatively kind of just stagnant. And then there's a handful of markets like you said, Columbus, Indianapolis, and Kansas City, and, and Cincinnati also to a slightly lesser degree that are mm -hmm. you know performing pretty well. But if you don't know that, and if you don't know the specific areas and the networks, it can be um, a little bit little bit challenging and harder to get into. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, a lot, a lot of good points there. Um, you know, and I, I've said this a dozen times, if you can invest in your backyard, that's that's probably the best place to start. But uh, not everybody's backyard is created equal. And if you're not in a, you know, if you're not in one of those areas where you have the strong economic fundamentals, the population growth, the job growth, you may want to start looking elsewhere and pull out your dartboard, aim towards the south, southern part of the US. And, you know, like you said, you're going to find some some cities with strong fundamentals. So, yep. but uh, good on you. So, so one, one question I always love to ask, you know, what's, what's your big burning? Why, you know, what's your motivation for, for doing this? Yeah. So, you know, on the surface level, you know, like I said, I've always been passionate about building a business. And, and I think that, you know, multifamily syndication is a great way to build a business and scale. But, mm-hmm. you know, my real why for, you know, why do I even want to build a business is, you know, really financial autonomy and really just personal autonomy and freedom. I want for myself and my family to be as in control of our lives as we possibly can and really and be, you know, as self-sustaining and self-reliant as we as we can be and have as many choices on the table as as possible. And so if we want to choose to you know, live somewhere different, travel somewhere, you know, take a, you know, ma- make a, a, a change, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have the ability to do that. And it was after, um, you know, investing in multifamily for a couple of years, you know, both as a co-sponsor mm-hmm. and as a limited partner, not really raising a lot of capital, some friends and family money that I, it, I saw the benefits that it was, um, it was doing to our life, my family's life. And I think I saw that it was pretty powerful. And honestly, I, I just got a little, I was inspired to, you know, be able to help others kind of find this investment vehicle in this path as this is as an option, you know, to invest mm-hmm. in. And so if I could help others, you know, pursue that same goal, so many people are, you know, are looking for some degree of financial independence. So yeah. that, that, that's really what drives me. Yeah, and I, I think that that resonates with a lot of people. I mean, just just being able to to have the time to enjoy the things that you want to enjoy, the autonomy, yeah. like you talk about, you know, being able to, I guess, not be tied to a location. You know, and I've for, for the last twenty years, mo- most people who listen to the podcast know I'm I'm retiring from the military yeah. in in about a month. But unfortunately, that has reduced my autonomy, and it's it's really kind of made me realize that man, I wish I had that autonomy and push me in the same direction as, as, as you went into. So good, good, good for that. All right. So next, next question for you. Can you, can you walk us through one of the deals you guys that you you've done, you either, either sponsor, co-sponsor yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of have two um, different investment silos. One's mm-hmm. more of a, it's a value add silo that, which yep. a lot of your listeners are probably familiar with. And then we also have a core plus silo, mm-hmm. um, which is a, r- a little bit newer kind of addition to our acquisition criteria. And so we, um, we acquired a property last year, kind of in the middle of COVID. We closed, I think in December, 2020, we never bought a property, you know, this new is a 2018 mm-hmm. construction. Um, mm-hmm. So essentially, you know, more or less brand new, right. a, large, it was a 264 unit project. And, you know, it was a, it was a big challenge for us, you know, from a capital raise standpoint, um, you know, in just a business plan, kind of putting the team together. So obviously there's mm-hmm. large loan guarantees that you have to set up um, and, you know, putting to finding earnest money, putting down earnest money, but it's also the most intimidating project we had ever pursued to date, but it, it ended up being the easiest project 
to actually get through and close once the pieces were all put together. And, and it has been one of, uh, you know, our, it's, it's still very early on. We've only owned it for, um, you know, six, less than six months at this point. Um, but so far it's one of the smoothest projects that we've operated. So, and it's one of those lifestyle, you know, assets that has, you know, the full resort style swimming pool, you know, beautiful, you know, workout facility, you know, individual private access garages for every single unit. And it's a, it's a, just a very attractive suburban, you know, luxury apartment community. And because of the time in the market of, you know, we were in the middle of the pandemic, it's, uh, it's located in the, the South Bend, Mishawaka MSA, technically in a, in a submarket called Granger, Indiana. And nobody wanted to fly into South Bend, Indiana during a pandemic. Even the investors in Indianapolis and Chicago, they're like, I don't want to drive three hours to go to Granger, Indiana. I've never even heard of Granger, Indiana. No one realizes there's a little university called Notre Dame that's Notre about Dame. Four, yes, yeah four, exactly. four four miles away. Um, and Granger has you know it's a median area income of over a hundred thousand dollars and mm-hmm. strong population growth. But if you look at South Bend, it looks a little dismal between the pandemic and then where rates were at the time. We were able to you know put together a pretty exciting um, project. And um, yeah. so you know you can make assumptions, and I made assumptions for the longest time that I don't want to pursue these newer assets because I don't want to accept a, a lower return. That being said, but we were able to, we're able to get a very similar rate of return on a lot of value add deals um, because you know so many value add deals are they have so much of the upside kind of priced in, yeah. and you know, they traded at just a lower cap rate. So yeah, you know, and that that is interesting. You know, something that I had a hard time coming to grips with. You, you get more per door on a value add sometimes than you get on something that, that's that's fully renovated, which, you know, in my mind, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's it, it's where the money is. You know, people start bidding up the value adds because of the returns and yep. the seller ends up getting credit for having a crappy property, you know, which yeah. uh, I don't understand it. I do understand it, but, you know, my, my math brain turns on and it starts making sense. But uh, now exactly. I'm going to go back to one of the things you said. You said that was one of the easiest closes you had. Now, was it because of size? Was it because of it's, it's a newer building? What, what do you think made that an easier close than everything else? Yeah. So part, part of it was the seller was very sophisticated mm-hmm. and they were really great to work with. Um, I mean, initially we had some issues once we were trying to get under contract because they frankly didn't think that we would be able to close on the project. Um, but once we were able to kind of convince them that we were going to do everything uh, possible to get it done, um, I mean, they were the most transparent in terms of, and they developed the project. So, I mean, they, they sent us a Dropbox folder of more due diligence items than we could, one we had ever seen before or more than we had ever had would ever wanted to request. Um, so they were just very straightforward. We stayed in constant communication with them. And so from just that aspect, it was it was very smooth. And then because it was new construction, you know, there, it's not like we had to go back 10 years. You know, what happened 10 years ago? What happened 20 years ago? Oh, yeah. You know, we, everybody knew the whole story from the beginning. How so, old's the roof? Two years old. How old yeah. are the HVACs? Two years old. How old are the, yep, two years old. It, it's all the same, yeah. And then, and then, in terms of the capital raise, and the, I, I felt a little crazy at the time saying this, but I, I was having a conversation with mm-hmm. our director of acquisitions, and I said, you know, I raising a hundred thousand dollars for me is easier than raising ten thousand dollars because you're talking to a different type of person. Yeah. I'm thinking that maybe raising a million dollars, maybe even. $10 million, might, it might be easier because I'm just going to be talking to a different type of investor. And that ended up being true. It was about it was about a $12 million raise and we were done in a fraction of the time. 
um, compared to our last two raises, which were both um, around a little over two million dollars a piece. And you know, we were working on those up until you know, you know, a couple weeks before close. You know, sleepless nights of you know, ma- you know, making calls, getting it done. And then this was more than way more than double. It was, you know, f- six times and <laughs> we got it done and we had, you know, 30 or 45 days left of, or 40 days left in due diligence and we were fully committed. Yeah. So it was, you know, and I think there, there's something to say about that. You know, the, the larger raises, you know, when, when you're dealing with that next level of investor, you know, number one, there are a lot more used to writing big checks, you know? Yeah. So if you're talking to a first time investor and it's like, I don't know, 50,000, you know, different story than when you're talking to somebody who's been into several private placements before various types, you know, they, they have a little bit more money to, to deal, deal with. And so they're, they're much more likely to just, yeah, sure. hundred thousand dollars. I can do that. Yeah. Where do I wire? Exactly. You know, and I love, I love working with more beginning investors, sophisticated investors and kind of like, you know, trying to help chart that path and what kind of the next steps are. But often, you know, we spend the most time with those mm-hmm. investors who want to invest, you know, twenty five dollars or $50,000, you know, kind of holding their hand, you know, versus the investors who are investing maybe $250,000 or a million dollars. You know, it, it's a quick conversation down to brass tacks and, you know, yes or no. And yeah, we'll send over the wiring instructions. Let's do yeah. it. And, and then if, if there's further questions, you're talking to their assistant, you know, and it's yeah. like, there yep. you go. Yep. So, yeah. Hey, exactly. so, so, and so said you, you're, you're putting in 300 K, you know, okay. You know, that, yeah. Different conversation. So great. Yeah. So lots, lots of reasons to go big. And I, I think in a lot of cases, you know, it, it's more of a mental hurdle than it has is, is an actual hurdle. You know, it's, yeah. it's adding a zero to the end of, of your, your cap raise, you know, is, is, uh, or six times in your case, the cap raise, and you're saying exactly what I, I've thought for a long time. It, it's not six times as hard. To, to do it. No, it, it's not, you know, it's so, it is so just a, a mindset piece and we almost didn't pursue the deal or we didn't put in our final offer um, mm-hmm. because I, it was intimidating. Okay. And, uh, but at the same time we said, you know, well, we do, how are we going to know until we give it a shot right. and let's do it. Let's put it all out there on the field and let's get it done. Yeah. We're able to do it. Be careful. You might convince me to start doing core plus. So I know, yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Come on over to the dark side. Stop right there. Stop. <laughs> All right. So what's next for you and your team? Yeah. So, you know, obviously always looking for new deals. It's very mm-hmm. competitive market. Hopefully to have someone contracted under contract at some point, but we've got a uh, very exciting kind of new thing that we've been working on for a while um, is we're launching a new website. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily a great capital website. It's uh, the it's called grayreport.com and it's essentially an aggregator of multifamily articles, news, research reports, podcasts, and videos. It's essentially like you're a one-stop spot for all things multifamily content related. Um, you know, we'll have updated market information, you know, where, where the, where, where bond rates are, you know, where different mm-hmm. commodities are moving. You'll have your podcast up at the top when new po- when new uh, episodes get released, nice. basically pulling in a lot of different RSS feeds from a lot of different sources, but also curating it. And so, you know, if you, instead of just popping over to, you know, whether it's Globe Street or National Multifamily Housing Co- Council or Multifamily Executive, we'll basically have all of that content in one place updated throughout the day. And uh, just really wanted to create a resource for the industry because um, we, you know, we were doing this research anyway. We said, why don't we formalize it and uh, kind of put it out there? So that's right. sh- it's in a soft launch right now. I think the website's lo- um, live. Official launch is um, a little bit later in May, but um, okay. yeah, greatreport.com. 
All right. Sounds good. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, and this will, this will air probably third week of May. So um, hopefully right around your, your hard launch date. But, yeah. Uh, go check it out. All right. So check it out. Link is going to be in the show notes, you know, so tap, swipe, tap, and that should, uh, should get you there. Sounds like a, a great, great resource. All right. That said, we're going to shift gears and we, we got Aaron on the line with us. Aaron, welcome. Hey, Brian, how you doing, man? Thank you for having me on this on this wonderful podcast. <clears throat> hey, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Made, made it super easy to schedule. You know, I mean, I, I, I literally opened my computer thinking, okay, I got to find somebody to link up with Spencer and Aaron calls. You know, it's like, perfect. Yeah, boom, there you go. So appreciate making it easy for me. This is awesome. So Aaron, tell us a little bit about yourself. Just like you, man, I'm a, I'm a veteran. I uh, yep. was in the uh, military for... Uh, 16 years, got early retirement out, um, got a W-2. And at some point in my W-2, someone told me I'll be there for another 20 years. And I said, mm. no, I won't. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's when my entrepreneur spirit came and did different things, but got into real estate and um, this single family, like a lot of people do wholesale and things like that. But I really, when I really thought about it, sat down, I said, I think multifamily is the best way to do it. And I really shift my focus to multi because I, because you can build your wealth much easier doing more side and mm-hmm. getting the house, getting the house, getting the house and, and, yeah. and things like that. So that's my mind shift. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, scalability, you know, like, like we were just talking with Spencer, I mean, you, you can multiply the deal size by 10, but you don't multiply the effort the same way. You know, it doesn't take 10 times the effort to, you know, do a 10 plex over a single unit. And it's not 10 times harder to do a hundred than it is 10 plex. So yeah, a lot, lot, a lot of goodness there. So where, where are you currently looking for multifamily projects? Well, I'm a capital raiser. So right now I'm just trying to build my investor base up and right. for the best deals possible for my investors. Mm-hmm. Nice. And, and you got a meetup that I, that I know of that you run, was it every Wednesday? Every Thursday at 7 p.m. Every Thursday at 7 p.m. Sure. So yeah, good, good, good. Tell us a little bit about that. So it's called All In on Real Estate. Uh, it used to be called Our Last Line of Fence by changing the name. Yeah. But the main purpose of it is um, when I was in the military, as you know, Brian, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times people don't talk about real estate. Um, they don't talk about, they talk about different things like uh, what we call TSP. Yeah. Um, they talk about stocks and bonds and, and things like that. And a lot of times when people deploy, you see a lot more people, you see a lot more Dodge Charger pickup trucks on the road instead of mm-hmm. value items like real estate. Yeah. So I want to have an educational platform meetup to help people so that they can, you know, watch it and learn and build generational wealth for them for themselves and their families. Yeah, and that that's that's so true. I mean, I I don't think it's the military's responsibility to teach people finances myself, but there, there's there's just a lack of knowledge. And exactly what you said is true. I've seen that repeat many times. You know, you send a you know a 22 year old corporal on a deployment. You know, he's got zero living expenses. He's getting a paycheck tax free plus all the extra pays. Comes home with you know fifty thousand dollars in the bank, and they get a Corvette. You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, so. Or, or another thing is you'll see somebody, you'll see a new, a new um, E4 or E3 mm-hmm. ride a new car because yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't taught these things, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't taught the finance or things like that. So they think, oh, I'm in the military. I use my star card. I buy a car. And then mm-hmm. next thing you know, they, they're yeah. broke. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's, yeah, I think there, there's a huge need for financial education out there. And, you know, for, for me, I think one of the biggest game changers was, you know, it's, very cliche now to say it, rich dad, poor dad, you know, that, that was my, 
that was my financial education. That's, that's what made me realize that, yeah, maybe this isn't the best way, you know, maybe, maybe I should think differently about things, you know? And then uh, right. um, there's a Tony Robbins book that really impacted me as well. I think Money Masters of the Game just kind of made me realize that, you know, the finance industry is not really set up to help you. It's set up to help them. Yep. So, right. but uh, yeah, good. So good on you for, for doing that. And lots of, you know, uh, I've heard a lot of positive uh, feedback about your meetup. Haven't been able to attend yet, but I, I will in a couple of weeks. I promise. So, <laughs> I know. Right. I know. Yeah, right. So yeah, I think June 3rd, is that, uh, that I'm scheduled to speak? Awesome. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to get onto a couple of them, but you know, even, evenings tend to be family time. You know, I pick and pick and choose the the ones that I can make it to. I love your I love your meetup, man. I love your meetup. Yeah. I love your networking. It's great. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. And incidentally, anybody listening, every Friday, one p.m. Eastern, ten o'clock Pacific, in the morning, we have a, a virtual meetup. So you know, maybe I'll throw a link to that in the in the show notes too. But yeah. uh, good idea. So Aaron, let, let's talk about your big burning why, you know, what, what motivates you, what keeps you active in, in this business? Well, I, I think a lot of people just like myself, um, you know, we want to be financially free. We want to get to that point, but I also, my big why is I want to spend more time with my kids being military, uh, being away from them so much. I want to be able to spend more time on doing the high school years. Uh, yeah. it's very, very important, especially with a dad who's not there all the time to, to really help them during this path frame, such a, a valuable time. So my big why is to spend more time with my kids and also travel the world. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and that, that's something that definitely resonates with me. I've, I've missed years of my child, my, my kids' childhoods just to, you know, deployments in military service and can't get that back. So, you know, part, part of my big burning why is the exact same thing to, to not miss, you know, my, my kids growing up. So um, I, I got two older kids, 21 and 18 right now. And, um, you know, I wish I was more involved in their childhood just because of, of what happened. But, um, you know, I, I got three younger kids that I still have a chance to, to do that. So, yeah. But anyway, very, very much resonates with me. And, you know, I, I think a lot of a lot of guys in our position are saying the same things. So well, that said, Aaron, we got Spencer on the line. What do you want to ask him? So, Spencer, um, man, thanks a lot, man. And uh, thank you for the opportunity. Um, right no, here. absolutely, Aaron. So my first question is, as a capital raiser, how do you find material? Because I know I'm a little more advanced, but how do you find material for your drip campaigns? Yeah. So like on like the email, like a drip campaign. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we we use a variety of content, mostly for our drip campaigns. It's all original content um, to us, you know, whether that is, um, you know, original blog posts or, um, you know, videos that we'll do. So Primarily in the in the in the emails that we send out, it's mostly original content. Um, that being said, for like our like the newsletter that we put out, that's aggregating content from all over the place from from different sources. So we definitely do a combination. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when we're trying to kind of front load our um, potential investors, you know, we want we want to front load as much value as we can you know, to them. And if if that's coming from us, we'd feel like that's even better. But I think as long as you know you're sending something, something is better than nothing. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. I like the original content, especially up front. I mean, if you keep on pointing them to other directions, they're going to go off. They're they're going to go off another direction. You know, yep. um, if you're if you're the one that's creating the content and you're giving them original content, uh, they're they're more likely to stick with you. 
Yeah. And and I, and I think it just goes to show that, you know, you have you know, just robust amount of information and the, f- the fact that they're going to be consuming that information written by you, you know, there's that thought of, okay, well, they know this, they're the expert on this. They're not delegating this out to, you know, some other source that's writing it. They know what they're talking about. So uh, my next question is, and this is a more basic question, but how do you start start off by finding new investors? Yeah. So we, we have a lot of different um, kind of lead magnet, magnets and I guess a lot of different, a lot of different things going on. So, you know, we have all of our original content that we put, put it out just organically. Um, so whether that's, we have a YouTube channel, um, we're going to be launching a podcast here in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, our, our website that's going to be coming out as, as well, um, which isn't like a direct marketing platform for us, but it, the idea is to kind of eventually, you know, funnel people over to the Gray Capital website. And we also do a lot of, um, we do some paid ads. So we do a lot of Google paid ads as well, search ads, display ads, YouTube ads. So, you know, we have a lot of different um, ways for investors to get in touch with us. Going on podcasts is a great way. Mm-hmm. Podcasts are just amazing because it allows, you know, a potential investor to kind of get to know you, to kind of get your thoughts thought process. And if that resonates with them, you know, when they get in touch with you, they're getting in touch with you because they they liked what you said and they've already kind of sold themselves on you. They're just trying to get more information. Um, So I think that that's a, a, you know, a great way to kind of get yourself out there. And then, you know, just being an active participant, you know, whether that's on bigger pockets or LinkedIn or on a Facebook group, um, you know, I know like Brian, you're, you're very active on LinkedIn. You've been active on bigger pockets. Um, I'm pretty active on bigger pockets. I'm active on LinkedIn. I could be more active, mm-hmm. but just being, you know, like there's old saying, you got to circulate to percolate. You got to be out there. You have to be present. And, you know, there's a lot of people getting in this space, a lot of syndicators, a lot of capital raisers. And I think, you know, obscurity is the biggest enemy because when an investor decides they want to invest in multifamily, it's, you know, who do they know? Who have they heard of? What name have they they seen? And they're going to look up that person. They're not going to necessarily continue to search and search and search to find you. You have to keep popping up to be on the top of mind. Um, Mm -hmm. So that leads to a lot of just consistent material being put out. So when they do make that decision, okay, I'm going to take this step. I want to get in touch with a couple of sponsors. Who are the sponsors? that I know, well, you know, these two or three guys, they've popped up enough. I'll get in touch with them. Yeah. I, I've had people speaking, I'm just, just, you know, adding on to what he said. Yeah. I've had people call me up and say, I feel like I know you already. Yeah. You know, I've never mm-hmm. talked with them, but they, they've heard this podcast or they've heard me on other podcasts or they follow me on LinkedIn. And I get a lot of calls where, Hey, you know, let me introduce myself. It's like, yeah, you know what? I know you. So let me introduce myself. I've had mm-hmm. several conversations start out that way. And the other thing about, you know, what he's saying that the LinkedIn presence, you know, a lot of the people like yesterday, I had somebody call me. I haven't seen him in three years. Haven't heard from him in three years. He was my neighbor in San Diego, called me and said, Hey, Brian, I got some questions for you, you know, and, you know, people who you've been connected with a long time ago, they're going to start seeing it. They're going to start seeing you in a different light. And you're no longer, in my case, I've stopped being Brian, the Marine, and I'm now Brian, the apartment investor to him. So yeah. My no, I, I, I think I think that's huge. Um, it, because you don't you don't your existing network you don't think that they may be interested, but you don't really know. And mm-hmm. I've had um, a handful of investors who I never thought that they would be investors, but they saw what we were doing. They got in touch, and I mean, I have to say, Brian, I think you, you do a really good job because you know one of my I don't know if it's a 
weakness or fault, but I, 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 you do a good job in kind of showing, I feel like a, a more holistic kind of view of what's going on in your life. I feel like I have, I have a, I sort of know who you are just because I follow you on social media also. And you do a good job of balancing kind of business apartments, but you also kind of give a little bit of a glimpse to your personal uh, life also, you know, stuff going on with your kids and everything. And again, that just makes that personal connection because people want to do business with people they like know and trust. They don't want to do business with a you know faceless, nameless corporation. And so, you know, it's all right. I, I see what this you know this guy's doing. He seems like a real person. Okay, I can have a conversation with him. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So, so the next question I got is, how do you find your niche? Now, what I mean is, how do you find your niche of of investors, or what what made you target certain investors uh, for your niche? That, that's a really good question, and, and it's honestly, it's uh, it's a process, and uh, it's been an evolution. And you know, mm-hmm. I still don't know if we've like absolutely narrowed it down because you know, as soon as we think that we kind of have our investor kind of avatar figured out or whatever, you know, we get in touch with all these other individuals who don't really fit that mold, and mm-hmm. um, you know, we're always nervous. Do we do we we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves. But at the same time, you do kind of have to have, you know, really have a, a specific brand, um, you know, and if I had to kind of sum up our, you know, a, a typical investor, it's a old, you know, it's an older millennial, it's, you know, working in the in the Bay Area, maybe in tech, or, you know, mm-hmm. they have a high paying W2 job. They love the idea of investing in real estate, but they don't have the time, maybe they have a couple turnkey rentals somewhere they've learned about syndication recently and they want to start allocating, you know, their net worth over to multifamily um, investments. Um, and so a part of that is because I'm a, you know, slightly older millennial and, you know, made, so I'm assuming that that's who I may mm-hmm. might resonate with. But then we also get, you know, folks that are getting ready to retire and people in all different stages of their life. And so, you know, we, we haven't wanted to, again, kind of pigeonhole ourselves, but also just kind of be be us, be who we are and kind of figure out, all right, who is that attracting? And then kind of just going deep in that niche. You know, there, there's a massive wealth transfer that's going on right now from the baby boomer generation over to millennials. And, um, you know, that's not fully taken steam, but we're starting to see that. And <laughs> so we're, you know, we're kind of trying to position ourselves um, to try to, you know, take advantage of that. To ride the wave. Yeah. yeah. I, and I, I did something, um, the way I came up with, with my avatar is I, I looked at people that I naturally attracted, you know, I, I started doing a lot of LinkedIn posting and a lot of Facebook posts. And I realized that the same type of people kept on coming to me, you know, yeah. and it was active duty veterans. And it was people who wanted to get started in real estate. You know, those were the people that I naturally appealed to. And fortunately, you know, our business model is such that, you know, those are the type of people that, you know, are going to have a little more money, you know. So obviously, if you're a syndicator, your minimum investment is $50,000, you know, somebody who's like me, mid 40s, you know, been active duty for, you know, 20 years or so, they can usually handle that. They can usually make that that investment amount without a lot of coaxing, if that makes sense. So for, for me, the avatar was, was simple as I, I looked at, you know, who I naturally attract. Do they check the box? Can, or is this a fertile field? Yes, it is. Yep. And most of my posts are geared to, to those two audiences, you know, people who want to be apartment investors and people who are veterans. And incidentally, this podcast is aimed at one of those two. Right. It's awesome. Yeah, right. And I, I mean, thanks you guys for the information. I mean, it, it's, it's awesome. Um, you know, it makes it put you more perspective of certain things, uh, especially as a capital raise, especially when you go around the field, you got to be consistent and just 
going it's uh, for me uh going after certain niches has been uh, a little struggle because like just like you brian active duty military but maybe i want to shift a little bit and that's been a struggle with me sometimes of saying who do i really want to target and and, and that gives me a, a better scope of things so i thank y'all both i i think i think one thing i want to ask too is for you and i know you, you just kind of answered already but um now you establish a relationship with some of these investors and they're not they're and you have deals come on and okay they're not uh they don't go for after certain deals how do you continue to foster relationships with people when your deals come up in this and they're not being taken by these investors but they're still on your list yeah so you know we take a approach with you know everyone who's a an investor or a potential investor of not focusing on doing you know one deal and not just not do one deal with us, but just one deal in general. We really look at it from an entire, you're going to build a portfolio of syndicated investments. You're not just going to invest in one property. You know, you're going to try to build a portfolio of at least five investments because that's when you start to really get advantages of diversification. And we tell them, you know, don't just work with us, get operator diversity. Mm -hmm. um, and so if this, that one deal doesn't check all their boxes, you know, that, that, that's okay. There's going to be a, a deal that comes up that does check your boxes, but, you know, we'll stay in communication. We're going to continue to send you, you know, information. And, you know, when that next deal, you know, comes up and we'll have the conversation. Okay. We understand that this isn't right for you. What is the right deal? You know, what is the kind of criteria that you're looking for? And then when that deal does, you know, come across our desk, we get under contract, you know, it, it, they, it should check all their boxes. And if not, you know, some people just, they're never going to invest and that's fine. And a lot of investors also, especially when they've just um, kind of come into your, your platform, a lot of folks don't want to invest in the first deal. They want to see how the first deal goes and they say, you know, I'll, so I like it. It looks good, but I'm just not ready to jump in now. Of course, you know, they're going to regret not investing in that deal because, you know, all of a sudden prices are going to go up and once, once the deal they actually get into, it's not going to look as good, but um, you know, that that's okay. And I think that's a natural part of the process. So. Yeah. And I, I, I agree a lot. Not everybody's going to invest in every deal and that there could be, I mean, one, one investor, for example, you know, and this, this was an unfortunate case told us that she was going to invest in, in a certain deal and her father passed away. She did not invest, you know, and it was just one of those things where, you know, you, you look at everyone's situations, there might be something a lot bigger than your investment that's going on at a certain time, you know, so keep an open mind and keep a perspective of several years, you know? Yeah. Um, so if they don't invest on, on one deal, that's not a no forever. That's a, a no for right now. And then just continue to foster the relationship, you know, continue to, you know, the emails are super easy because you, you can send those to, you know, hundred, 200, 400 people at the same time. But, you know, we, we also keep a list of, of people that we want to keep close to us that we're, we're doing, we're doing more with, you know, so unfortunately our investor list is, is big enough that I can't call everybody, you know, yeah. and, and talk to every single one of them, but there's a core group that we are doing that with. So, and if they, if they miss an investment opportunity, they're still on the list. Right. So, right. But uh, anyway, we're, we're about out of time here. So one question for, for each of you to, to bring this to a close and Spencer, you get to go first. How do listeners learn more about you? Um, you know, the best way to learn more about us besides just, you know, Google Great Capital. You can hop over to greatcapitalllc.com. Mm -hmm. um, we have a, I think it's the best um, 
multifamily newsletter um, that's out there right now. It gets sent out weekly, every Thursday morning. Um, it's called the Gray Report Newsletter. Um, it's kind of what inspired us building out this whole website, um, grayreport.com. And essentially, any new research report that any of the major brokers or research firms put out that week, um, you include that, any of the major articles, you know, snapshots of rates and markets. You know, we have quotes from, you know, financing rates, you know, mm-hmm. where is uh, Fannie at? Where's Freddie at? Where's a HUD 223F loan? We kind of track all of this stuff. Um, so, you know, hop on over to greatcapitalllc.com, check it out. And then there's, you know, you can get in touch with us through a variety of means on the website. Awesome. And we'll, we'll have a link to that in the show notes again. And if you guys want to be part of that newsletter, you know, a lot of good information there that, uh, that you should be tracking as a multifamily investor. Aaron, same question for you. How can listeners learn more about you? Um, they can always come to my meetup. It's every Thursday, 7 p.m. It's all on, all on real estate. Um, go to meetup.com, look up and put it all in on real estate and you'll see it. Um, also, I have a website. It's A-L-L-I-N-H-S. It's, that's allinhomes.com. Uh, you, you can find out great information about me and, and learn about my company. And also, I'm on Clubhouse every Wednesday at 530. It's called a Military Real Estate Investing Hour. I moderate with other veterans and we try to help veterans out. So. Thank you to both of you guys for coming on the show today. I think this was a great conversation, a lot of pearls of wisdom that, that came out. So I appreciate your time. and appreciate the value you brought. Yeah, Brian, really appreciate having me on. Aaron, it was a pleasure meeting you. I uh, appreciate the questions. This is awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Spencer. Thank you so much, Brian. And Brian, as always, man, I'll see you on, fr- on Friday. See you on Friday. <laughs> best best weekly meetup ever. Yes, sir. Uh, That's yes, right. Sir. Yes, All right. Sir. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Brian. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.